Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Happy to Meet Cute. This is Fallon Ballard here with my stunning co-host, Courtney K. It's another, is it cloudy where you are? It's very cloudy here today. Oh, you must it. have the mm-hmm. marine layer. It's uh, sunshine. It's sunny here. Yeah. Nice. My yes. stunning Fallon. It's been um, like nice and cool this week. I have appreciated it. So, it actually feels like fall is coming. It does. I don't want to like trick myself because I know that once October gets here, it's going to be a hundred degrees again and I'm just going to be annoyed, but I'm going to pretend. <laughs> I'll pretend feel, as long as I can. <laughs> I know. I feel like, okay, so Halloween is either the first rain that we get usually, like the first mm. really actually cold night mm-hmm. up up here in the the Southern Californian desert, um, or it's sweltering. There's no yeah, there's no yeah, which is weird. Like I remember as a kid, it always being cold on Halloween because like I had multiple costumes where I was like mm-hmm. mad at my mom because she would make <laughs> me wear like a turtleneck <laughs> underneath it or something, and I was like, "You're ruining my aesthetic." Yep, <laughs> yeah, but it was cold. But it's not usually cold anymore on Halloween. Usually for us, it's pretty warm. But <laughs> I'll never forget making my child put on long sleeves under her Elsa dress. Oh. And even I was like, I know. I know. Sorry. It's not fair, but it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> this is the vibe. Um, I feel like we skipped out on a lot of trick-or-treating because of the pandemic. Because my kid was like Oof, six yeah. and seven when it, we were like in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. So he kind of is like into trick-or-treating but like not like super into it and I'm kind of like okay with that like you know what we could just go around the block hit up the houses like right next to us like we don't need to do any of this insane like travel to these different neighborhoods and go to all these like trunk or treat things and I'm like I don't have that I don't have the capacity for that (laughs) that's fair my neighbor has already begun oh god Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. we have some of those too that really they, go all out. It's very cool because yeah. they do like special effects for the studios. Oh yeah. Some and I think stuff. they have a storage unit for all of this stuff. It's like intense. It's wow. it's very cool. Nice. Every day I walk by, I'm like, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> when you, maybe one day when you're writing a witchy story, you'll just like go sit oh. in front of their house and just be like, I just need this inspiration. I'm just gonna sit here for a minute. <laughs> okay, so this they the set, vibe. <laughs> they set up a whole um cemetery. Mm. And like just imagine them coming home to me like sitting in their front lawn. <laughs> You're my notebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, like... <laughs> Please ignore do me. That. Please do that. Oh, oh my God. Make that a thing that is happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Love that journey for you. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of journeys. Yes. We've gotten so good at these transitions. <laughs> that was a good so one. <laughs> we just roll off the tongue now. Tell me about your, so this is a big week for you and your edits. Do you want to chat about that at all? 
Yeah, so I am still working on the romanticity. <laughs> As I have been forever and probably will be until the end of time. Um, <laughs> but my goal is to get it wrapped up uh, this weekend. At least yes. enough to where I can send my agent this draft. And then I have... I like reached out to this one beta reader and she was like, I just want to let you know that I'm like really harsh and critique and like, I'm really going to get in and like give you a good critique. And I was like, yes, I need that. Um, so I'm going to send it to them. So like right now what I am doing is I really love to print out my manuscripts as one of my like final stages of revising. Um, and then I edit on paper, which I don't know if it's just like the English teacher in me or what, but there's just something where like I am way more productive when I am editing it on paper than when I'm just trying to edit it on my screen. I just catch everything so much better. I don't know what it is. Yep. Um, yeah. So I'm doing that right now. I'm going to finish that today. And then it takes me like a while to actually go back and like input everything, like input yeah. all the edits. Um, so I'm going to try and do that. And then I think I have to rewrite the ending, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see today when I read the ending, how I feel about it, but I, it's definitely going to go through some changes. Um, and then, yeah, my goal is to like have it in okay enough shape to where I can send it to people on Saturday and get, get, I'm assuming like another round of feedback hmm. before we would be close to like going on submission, but um, I need it there. off my plate for a little bit. So yeah. hopefully it'll be like a couple weeks and then I won't have to think about it. Yeah. And then I'll probably, hopefully get that back maybe just in time for solving and boozy book brunch. So I'll probably work on it and solving and then hopefully Perfect. it'll be done. What a like perfect thing to work on during the fall. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's giving me good fall vibes right now. So, um, yeah, I just, I need to finish it. I will say the good thing is that like, I, like I posted about it on Instagram yesterday and just like, you always get that support. I feel like on Instagram when you post stuff like that, but like, when you tell people that you're writing a romanticy, like I've gotten so many comments from people that are like, oh, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, going to screenshot these and just like send them along to my agent to pass along to the editors when we're out on submission. Like, yeah. See, people want it. That's the thing. I love that. <laughs> there is an audience. There is an audience. People are excited. And <laughs> that was good. Um, and then I guess if it doesn't end up going anywhere, then I'll probably self-pub it and yes. we'll be in a whole new, whole new ball game. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How is everything coming with your pitch and proposal? Good, good, good. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast. I feel like I repeat things a lot on the podcast. You're fine. <laughs> um, but I have decided... Um, as you know, because I just told you that I'm joining you yes. to be done by the end of Saturday yeah. with this proposal. Uh, Mama needs some some cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel that. Um, 
publishing Skrilla. Is that still a word? Um, I don't, is that, I don't even know what that word means, to be honest with you. Nice. Nice. Um, but yeah, and it's just time. Like, I just, I, I need to get back in, in the game. Um, and just like, I, you know, it's weird feeling in limbo. So mm-hmm. I just need to have a deadline and a writing buddy. Yeah. That is you. <laughs> yes. And Sweet. we're going to do it. I'm going to yeah. get this proposal done. Um, Yeah. And just send it over to my agent. So what that looks like, I don't know if I've said it before, but as far as the proposal goes, I need to write like the first three chapters or 50 pages. So it might end up being like five chapters. Um, and then the full synopsis so they can see, you know, the flow of the book. And then I'll put in like a nice pitch, which, you know, is voicey and is very marketable. So, um, yeah, doing that. And then, um, I also went a little bit extra. (laughs) I had like, (laughs) I had character art done. And so cute. Um, for myself because I have a hard time picturing characters faces and so I wanted this as I was drafting to like picture them and have them come to life um but I'm also going to send it along with my pitch as a little like you know razzle dazzle (laughs) (laughs) I love that I think that's so cool yeah um I'm like obsessed with character art these days all I want to do is commission Mm -hmm. character art like just nonstop, nonstop. also um I don't know if you saw Adriana Herrera is doing like a Kickstarter, like holiday thing. And I don't know. I guess I never was like, oh, I'm super into like spicy art. But then M.A. Wardell had Mm -hmm. a bunch at Simi LitCon. And then uh, Adriana posted like the little teasers of hers in this book. And I was like, oh, shit, I need some of this in my life. Yes. Like fantasy, if that actually ends up going anywhere. Be ready for all all of the spicy artwork that's happening. I love the spicy artwork teasers and how they put like, you know, thoughtfully placed flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like Adriana's is a holiday book, so they're like little poinsettias. Yeah, perfect. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. So I'm like, all right, got to start thinking of ideas for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Won't be hard with the fantasy. They have a lot of sex. <laughs> Love it. Oh my god, wait, can we actually take a minute though? Did you see? I mean, let's just let's do it. I- I'm gonna do it. Okay. Did you see the uh what's it called? Erotic artwork put out for that YA novel by Sourcebook? What? Alan, did you see this? No. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a publishing conversation we need like to the, have. the publisher put it out? It was like, yeah, they put it on their Instagram. And it was like collaboration with source books. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying it. It's out for all the world to see. Hold up. Now I got to look Is at it this. Is it still there? Okay. Wait, I have to look this up. Wait, what yeah. book is it for? Hold up. I forgot the name. Oh my god. And this is not shade on like the authors. This is not, but it's like a conversation that needs to be had. It looks like they deleted it. 
yeah. good on them. I mean, that makes sense. It's for Night of the Witch. <laughs> um, and it had these two characters posing uh, naked in, like, a lagoon. They were Ooh. making out. There was side boob. Wow. And it was like, hey, there's just so many conversations that need to be had. Mm-hmm. Like, the difference between adult mm-hmm. and YA, mm-hmm. you know, and how we approach sex scenes yeah, in those different audience brackets. Right. Um, You know, they're supposed to be teenagers. And also the need for freaking... This is a conversation we've been having for years. Why don't we have a new adult category? Yes. Ugh, seriously. Because like, any... Yeah. No, go, go. Yeah, you take it away. Well, I was just going to say, like, when you look at a book like Fourth Wing, where the main character is 20. Yeah. And there is, of course, explicit on the page sex scenes. That's like, that character is 20 so that we could have those sex scenes. Like, that is why that character is that age where it's like it's young enough that it still makes sense that they would be in this sort of like college like environment but they're not so young that you're gonna read this and be like ew this is a child like I don't want to see this on the page (laughs) and not to say that there shouldn't be sex scenes in YA books because there definitely should because teenagers have sex and that is a thing but there's just there's a way that you do it that is not the same as what you're gonna see in an adult romance absolutely yeah um you know i think the YA sex scenes need to be handled with care i think and like i think i would highly recommend um today tonight tomorrow by rachel lynn solomon Mm. for excellent example of sex scenes in ya yeah um and you know for adults it's fine like to be horny like that's that's it's okay like um, not anyway, this is getting to be like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, like, I'm getting a little uncomfortable, <laughs> <laughs> okay. but you know what I That's mean? Fair. Like, like, yeah. I think we all know the difference as writers and readers about yeah. what is expected sex scenes in different audience yeah. brackets. And that artwork is not consistent with what should be acceptable for YA and just goes to show that we need a category in publishing that is for college age and like that transition from teen to adult. Like that's very important to have. And because there is no category, things are marketed as YA because, but why not adult? Yeah. I mean, let's just think back in the day that a court of thorns and roses was YA when it yeah. first came out. It's not anymore. You will pretty much always find it in the fantasy section of okay. like a Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not in YA anymore, but it used to be. Mm-hmm. It, that's be- how they were in the beginning. I think. So uh, Moss's first, what's it called? Yeah. Throne of Glass series. Throne of Glass can skew more YA, I think. Um it does get racier, like the more, the further you, along in the series you get. But I would say like the first like three or four books are like not yeah. explicit. And I think what happened on that end is the publisher was like, well, Moss has the YA audience. So we're going to yeah. market this new series as YA knowing right. full well. Right. That it wasn't. Yeah. It 
what it should have been marketed as adult. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. A bigger conversation for sure. Yeah. To have, but yeah. All right. Well, no smooth transition this time. (laughs) (laughs) But we have an amazing episode coming up um, where just get your ear holes ready to listen to the delightful British accent of Jackie Fraser, who was just like so amazing and wonderful. And um, the beginning of everything is just a gorgeous book. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we're super excited for this episode. And we'll be right back with Jackie. Hello, happy to meet cute listeners. We're so happy to have you back with us. Um, We have the incredible Jackie Fraser, um, who is with us today. And Jackie is a freelance editor and writer. She's worked for AA Publishing, Watkins, The Good Food Guide, and various self-published writers of fiction, travel and food guides, recipe books, and self-help self-help books since 2012. Prior to that, she worked as an editor of food and accommodation guides for the AA, including the B&B guide, restaurant guide, and pub guide for nearly 20 years. Okay, Jackie, we we know who we're calling when we come visit. Eventually, I like recommendations. Yes. <laughs> eventually running the lifestyle guides department. She's interested in all kinds of things, particularly history and prehistory art, food, popular culture, and music. She reads a lot, no, really, in multiple genres and is fascinated by the Bronze Age. She likes vintage clothes, antique fairs, and photography. She used to be a bit of a goth. She likes cats. (laughs) Jackie, you're amazing. Welcome. Hi. (laughs) Hi, how are you? Yeah, no, I'm good. Thank you. Good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Yes, we are so excited, and um, I do just want to make a disclaimer to the listeners because I realized I just put a cough drop in my mouth, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, that's going to be so annoying. Um, so yes, if you're when you are listening to this, hopefully Courtney and I are well recovered, but we are both on the tail end of COVID <laughs> right now, so um, we have very sexy throaty voices happening, which. <laughs> I apologize for just for Jackie, just for Jackie. We were like, Jackie's got an amazing accent. So we got to bring something new and different (laughs) to the podcast. (laughs) So thank you for putting up with us today, Jackie. We appreciate you. And I wish um, like, so listeners, Jackie has some beautiful flowers in her hair. Mm -hmm. I do. I always wear flowers in my hair. So, I love it. Um, you were telling us this is your is, trademark. My hair is very long, but I can never be bothered to wear it down because it's just annoying. Yeah. So um, that's, yeah, that's my thing. I love and it. And Jackie, you are coming to us from what part of the UK? Um, so from Hampshire, which is the southern, um, the southernmost part of England. Okay. So um, it's right at the bottom. Um, we're about, about 50 miles from London. So uh, my family are from London. Uh, but I've always lived here. Basingstoke is where I live, which is um, it's one of those places, you know, it's a joke place. People make jokes about it, but <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> People make jokes about where I live, too, yeah, in the there's suburbs. There's a lot of that, isn't there? If you're not from, you go, well, what, where is a cool place? I don't know. Even people who are from cool places, they don't think it's cool, do they? Because they live there and they went to school there. And anywhere you went to school is not cool. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. 
that's very true. Um, but and that was like one of my favorite things about reading the beginning of everything is just the mm -hmm. little town where it's set just seemed like so like picturesque and beautiful and had like yes. small town vibes, which I totally loved. Um, and it made me want to go visit and check it out for myself. Um, it's, yes. really, it's really interesting, actually, because um, after I wrote the first book um, and had an, an American audience, I did think about the fact that I know that my American friends are always very excited about castles and, um, you know, stuff that's more than 300 years old is, is mm -hmm. very exciting. <laughs> Whereas, of course, that's kind of like it's very standard. Um, and Wales is full of castles. Um, to the extent that one of my editors was like, so you keep mentioning castles. Are the, are the characters obsessed with castles? I'm like, no, they just live somewhere that's very castly. So <laughs> you can't really help it. <laughs> love it. Oh, my gosh. I do. I want to live somewhere that's castly. Yeah, yeah I mean. <laughs> it's good. Well, and as an American, every time a castle came up in the book, I was like, oh, yay. <laughs> yeah, Wales is, Wales is because it's... um. That's contested territory, essentially. Uh, you know, there were some centuries of fighting between the Welsh and the, and the English. So there were lots of castles. There were castles built, I think I say in the book, um, uh, you know, aggressively by the, by the English and defensively by the Welsh. So it is quite, if you like castles, it's a good place to go. It's like, yeah. Mm, okay. Adding that to my travel plans. Yeah, um, yeah. Say, <clears throat> say no more. For sure. Um, well... So aside from lots of castles, can you please tell our listeners a little bit about the beginning of everything? Um, okay, so the beginning of everything is uh, Jess's story, really. Um, uh, uh, Jess has run away from home um, and she lives. she's living rough. She's got a tent um, and she finds an empty house that's been sold, but the owners haven't moved in yet. So she... Uh, well, she breaks in. Let's not put too fine a point on it. She uh, she picks a lock and has somewhere to stay because if you need a if you're going to get a job, it's, you need an address. Really, um, things like that are more complicated now. Uh, Thirty years ago, you could probably fudge that kind of thing, but it's much harder now. So, um, so she she stays in the house. She knows she won't be able to live there forever, but she stays in the house for a month, um, and then eventually the bloke who's bought the house gets in. Uh, arrives and is horrified, frankly, to find a random woman in his kitchen. So she runs away again, uh, but then she has to come back to get her stuff and he's left her a note. Um, and that's how they meet. So, um, And then basically it's it's kind of, a, it's a slow burn um, as she kind of puts her life back together um, and their friendship develops, um, I guess, kind of it, really. We're Easy. just like swoony smiles, me and Fallon. <laughs> I really love the romance in this book. And I really loved, um, I mean, so many things. The fact, I haven't read an opening like this in a very long time that just like grabbed me immediately. I was like, oh my God, what's happening? Um, that's, um, that's really interesting as well. Because another thing um, is that the, the uh, English edition and the US edition, so the UK edition, sorry, and the US edition, the beginning is, is slightly different. So the, um, the UK one is slower to start. It's there's longer, uh, not elapsed time, book time, but page time. So you in the in the US edition, we meet Gethin more quickly. Um, okay. So which I that was kind of interesting because 
uh, when they asked for that, I was like, yeah, I wondered whether whether it was a bit slow at the start. So I was kind of worried that, you know, that you might have a better, better version. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's mostly just that Americans are impatient. And so. Well, it's, it, made, it made, me, made me really laugh, um, I have to say. But, you know, I was, I was happy to do a bit of a bit of juggling. But yes, um, I like I like the beginning. I like the idea that, um, that Geffen does something impractical, uh, that his family might just go, what are you thinking? But he does, you know, he has his reasons and it's not the stupidest thing that a person can do. So. And I love that both of these characters are over 40. I love that so much. I don't think that we see enough of that in romance novels these days um, well, again i think it was uh when i turned 40 um i was really aware of the fact that my friends were all exactly the same mm-hmm. as they'd always mm-hmm. been of course uh, now yeah. turned 50 that is still true although a bit more kind of like weird pain what is that <laughs> um and you know stuff happens to your skin and stuff that hasn't happened yet when you're 40 so um but it's true but because you're the same in your head so mm-hmm. uh, and also I watched my friends you know some people that's the point at which they uh, come out of one relationship maybe mm-hmm. and are looking to start again um, and a lot of the emotions that you have when you start a relationship you think are kind of young person emotions mm-hmm. but they're totally not it's about starting a relationship that, that all those feelings are not to do with being 19 or 27 they're to do with being vulnerable um, and open, I think, and excited. It's exciting, isn't it, whenever you meet somebody and it, and it still might be okay? <laughs> That's so that was kind of one of the things that I, I, I'm really interested in that, uh, I guess. Yeah, romance is ageless. I, I mean, it's, yeah, whatever point in your life, you're right. Like, you still go through the same novelty and newness doesn't matter what age you are yes and all those things you know when you're anxious about it or you're worried or you think you're obsessing um and you're you think about the other person um and all of that stuff I think that's always that's always the same yeah and I also love that you dealt with um heavier topics with Jess and with her backstory um but then she's still able to find this very much like lightheartedness with Gethin and their banter was so incredible. Um, and just that friendship that formed so naturally between them that then led to that deep romance. It was just so well done. Um, and throughout it all, you just wove this really beautiful tapestry of Um, the town and their friends and like this gorgeous aesthetic Um, and it was just so cozy and charming while still dealing with some really heavier topics do you want to talk oh sorry go ahead sorry um no yeah it's it's an interesting thing because um I was thinking when I wrote it I was thinking about tropes I find tropes really fascinating um Mm. and I'm always um interested in the idea of can you have a like a well-traveled trope and deal with it in a very kind of I say grown-up way that's not denigrating anyone else's way of dealing with it but like if you actually took a trope and dealt dealt with it like it was a serious actual thing 
Mm. Kind of. So in the first in the first book, you know, there's like a, a minor aristocracy and an inheritance. Classic stuff. I, I I'm a big fan of Georgette Heyer and her Regency romances, um, which my mum read, and then I read. I've been reading those since I was twelve, and so there are lots of things in those which you kind of go, "Oh, how would you how would you deal with that in a modern situation?" And one of the things she often has in her books is the runaway. Usually, this is a person who's run away from school, you know, from her seminary or whatever. Um, and then she's 18 or 16 or 17 or whatever, and, you know, then she might dress up as a boy or something. Or people run away from their engagement because their father has said they've got to marry the Lord next door, whatever. But you go, those are things that can't happen in the 21st century. So if you're going to run away, who runs away as an older person? If you're going to give up your life, something bad has to have happened. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of aware of the fact that this is not a, it's not intended to be a gritty kind of book. But again, something about being older is that, of course, you've experienced all sorts of things, even if not directly, even if you haven't had a really um, experience of a bad relationship. You will know people who've had bad relationships um, and who have tried or not tried, failed or succeeded to escape from something. And so that's what I was thinking about. So I felt like, just needed to have you know either um you'd have to be a flaky sort of person so you could be the sort of person who just gives up stuff and, and flees um but I didn't want her to be like that I wanted her to be somebody who who's just she's made some bad choices and it's not necessarily always been her you know or even her decision necessarily but I wanted her to be so she's she's got to run away from something um but I didn't want that to be, I didn't want anyone to be spend the entire book being really worried that there might be a knock at the door mm. and that she would have been found, as it were. I wanted that to be a kind of, she, she's not worried about that um, because he doesn't, her ex doesn't care enough to chase her. Mm-hmm. So, but that's kind of what, what I was, what I was trying to do with it was to, um, so it's kind of the levels of grittiness I had. To, I felt I had to be quite careful with because the, my pre, again, my previous book is, is, you know, totally not this escapist and quite light. Um, so I wanted to, but I feel like I, I managed to do it quite effectively. The, the, kind of the feedback I've had is that it, that it does work, um, just like 5% grittier. Yeah, no, I felt that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think you handle it with great care. And I think what's so great about him is that he also handles it with great care in the book. And I think there's just a lot of, um, understanding and compassion, you know, shown to Jess by everyone really in the town that she encounters. And so it, it makes it feel like a safe space. Yeah. I think again, with, um, the other thing I wanted to do, um, one of my friends, one of my male friends had said to me, why is it that, that men in this kind of book, why are they always like, you know, like, mm. quite often you get men who are, well, my, again, my first book, the hero was grumpy. So I didn't, this is the thing, I didn't know about grumpy sunshine when I wrote it, but, <laughs> isn't it? And I didn't know. So, but I, I with, with, with Edward, I wanted him not to be sarcastic or mean or any of those things, because those things are quite, or in, too intense, because those things are good in books. Or, or in films, where you might go, oh, Aragorn, 
he's lovely, isn't he? He's very intense. But he wouldn't want to go shopping with Aragorn. <laughs> he wouldn't want to have to choose presents for his mum with Aragorn, would he? Because it would be like, huh. So that's kind of a difficult thing. But anyway, my yeah. friend was like, but why are men in books like this? Why are they always intense? Why aren't they just like nice? And I was like, well, we know the answer to that, don't we? But again, I, I wanted to write Gethin as a, I wanted to write a, a man who is genuinely a decent fella, um, but but he's not boring. That doesn't make him dull, which yeah. I think in books, one of the things is the reason that you don't get very just generally nice characters is because they can be, they can come across as less, you know, um, because people do like to feel a bit sweeney, don't mm-hmm. they, about about the characters in, in the So you like somebody who's a bit, you know, frowny and staring into this. And you might not want Heathcliff. I know some people do, but you might not want that. But you want someone who's at least going to storm out, thwacking his riding crop on his hand or whatever. <laughs> um, so, but but what if what, what if you didn't? What if you just want? What if you were writing about the sort of person that you might actually think? He would make a good boyfriend. Mm. So that's kind of yeah. Um, without without being like you know too sick makingly cloyingly over the top nice. That was my thing with Geth. Yeah, and I you balanced it so well with well Gethin's backstory too of his brother and um, yes, and that's his yeah. main. When people were like, "Is it realistic that he asks Jess to stay?" Um, yeah, but that's why that's his reason. Mm-hmm. It's because of Evan that he does it, um, and he might not talk about it very much, but that is the reason. So, and I th- at the heart of the book too, there's a really, really important discussion on homelessness and addiction, and you know, um, I-, I found that really, really powerful to read in the landscape of a romance novel. Um, and then just the way that he cares for her and the way that that then supports her in like building her new life. It was just, everything was so beautiful and really well done. Well, thank you very much. It's really lovely to hear you say that. It's uh, it's such a strange thing, writing a book all in your head. And then all of a sudden there are people literally thousands of miles away (laughs) who are reading it. And that's just, it's a, it's a very strange feeling. I wrote it during lockdown in 2020. Mm. Um, So everything was very weird. And, um, and yeah, the idea, and also it's been a long, uh, after I sold it, I sold it in 2021, it's taken a really long time. It's had a really long schedule. So again, the fact that I've, you know, and now suddenly it's out in a month. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a bit, which is a bit scary. So it's, it's good to know, it's a, obviously it's always nice to hear people say nice things about your writing. Um, but also I think when you write, uh, romance, um, I know other people's romance novels often have serious kind of things, but again, you kind of I think it's unavoidable, isn't it? Life is full of tricky mm-hmm. awkwardness, um, and people, um, especially at the moment, a lot of people's lives are very precarious, mm. um, and it's very easy to slip. You know, everyone says, you know, you're like one paycheck away from, you know, from maybe not being able to pay your rent or whatever, um, or one bad decision. Um, and that I think is quite a it has a significant effect on people the way you feel about yourself and the like you know Jess says she wants to be safe mm-hmm. and I think that's a really you know that's the thing that not everybody gets to feel safe mm. 
Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to transition us a little bit. Um, we talked a little bit about how these characters are older than you would typically maybe see in a romance. Um, I feel like we're getting a little bit more options with characters that are not, you know, like 25 and 26, but I Mm -hmm. still need more of them in my life. Um, So kind of why, how did you sort of land on making these characters sort of in their forties, kind of going through like a second round of serious relationships? Um, I think, so I, I've written, I've written a lot of books, um, not published, but I've written a lot of books. I've been writing books for a long time. And I think probably what I've always done is write about people who are my age. So I've got some books about annoying teenagers. I've got some books about people who were confused in their late 20s. I've got some books about people who are really desperately not listening to their biological clocks in their 30s. And then I, when I wrote... Um, the bookshop of second chances I was 44 I think and that's so that's the age that I made the main character and also I'd read something in the bookseller which is the UK uh, publishing trade magazine um, about so something this is one of those there have been a survey 41% of women over 40 feel that women over 40 are not represented Hmm. in books yeah. Um, and I thought that's that's interesting. It's true because mm-hmm. a lot of romance books are about people who are 27 or whatever. And I totally get that because of where you tend to be in your life and you're maybe making decisions about that first kind of settling down kind of stuff. Um, but but I ceased to be interested in people who are who are 27 that's not true i read a book the other day about and i was just completely you know fine um also i remember being sort of 14 and reading about people who were 27 and just going imagine being as old as that oh my god Um, (laughs) (laughs) and as you get older you kind of pass Mm. first of all you notice that like sports people are younger than you yes and then like they famously policemen (laughs) are younger than you your doctor might be younger than you uh, and then, and you, mm-hmm. and you've skipped past all the all the heroines of the books that you read, and you're going. If there's one who's thirty, you're like, yes, good on you uh, for not being married to that lord yet. Um, but uh, so I kind of, I, I felt like two things come together. I was, I was very serious about trying to be more focused about getting published, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, hey, well, actually, I've got, obviously my friends are my age. They probably would like some books about people who are our age, wouldn't they? Brilliant, in- inspired. And then I just think, um, yeah, I'm just I'm interested in that kind of whole. Um, what your expectations are, how your expectations have changed, how you might kind of lower certain expectations, but also how some things are past. You don't need to worry about something anymore. Mm. Once you're in your mid forties, you're like that's kind of. Who cares about any of that? Which frees you up in a lot of ways um, to be much more uh, kind of maybe, hopefully, be more able to ask for the what for what you want, or mm. to know at least what you don't want. Maybe that kind of thing. So I'm kind of interested in characters too. So Jess is quite, you know, she's not very bold, obviously, because she's kind of um, she's quite damaged 
uh, but she's I don't know she's she has still got something about her she you know that's come from her experience of life um, that because that does give you something so I, I just kind of felt that was that was an interesting an interesting thing and obviously as soon as I realized when you know people there isn't like you say there aren't that many books like that obviously you get oh brilliant then I could have a niche couldn't I that could be that could be a thing that I do um, quite usefully maybe I think people like to see themselves reflected back and although my characters are very just kind of very basic they are white they are kind of lower middle class you know um so it's not like my characters are particularly diverse but they are older so you know and I like what you said about Jess who well it just stuck out to me about her boldness because it really would take a big level of boldness to realize something's not right in your relationship and in your life and then to fully leave it. So yeah. Yeah. Like even though she's starting from this place of being broken, she's also starting from this place of knowing the different kind of life she wants and going for it. And so I just, I loved her from, from the very beginning. Yeah. I think as well, she's her, she, she wouldn't necessarily see it herself. Mm-hmm. But that her kind of uh, not uh, not straightforward uh, life, generally, you know, she's lived a slightly unconventional life, and that allows her to see beyond some things. I think that enables her to know that she can do things that maybe other people wouldn't believe that they can do. Mm. So, although it takes her a while to get there, she knows that she can live in a tent. And it will be okay mm-hmm. that she won't freeze to death or starve or any of those things. And she's brought that with her from the unconventional kind of teenage and older, you know, and she has, she's had various adventures. And although she thinks when she looks back, oh my God, what was I thinking? Um, they've made her the person that she is. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. And do you want to speak to um, your debut experience at all? Um. So that's kind of interesting because, again, uh, this is, always makes me laugh because just at the point when um, I'd done had my debut, so again, during lockdown, my first book came out during lockdown, um, and I, it was ebook first in the UK before it went to public paperback. So there's none of that stuff that you might expect to have a launch or anything like that. Um, yeah. And also, um, just at the point where people started going, oh, we shouldn't maybe we shouldn't just give prizes to people who are young. So now there are like, there are some prizes for kind not that I would say that I would expect to win the prize, but you know, that the idea that you might have people who are like 50 writing their first book um, mm-hmm. and that that's not a weird free thing because obviously people have lives that they have to do first sometimes. Um, so, uh, but also um, I think if you're, if you're successful when you're young, that's great, isn't it? But then there's loads of pressure always to carry that on. But, you know, mm. let's face it, I've got 20 years at the top, probably. So, so, it's less, so it's less, there's less pressure <laughs> that you're going, oh, well, you know, um, you have that thing where you go, I'm just reading Gloria Swanson's autobiography. So, you know, the whole thing about Gloria Swanson is she's in Sunset Boulevard and that's kind of her character where you have a comeback and all of that. And if, but if you don't get to be, you know, even remotely successful until you're a bit older, then you don't have to worry about that because nobody's talking about your comeback ever because you already have those years have already passed I'm making sense really um so 
so a lot of the stuff I think probably what I'm trying to say is that the sort of the thing that might get in your head and worry you about publishing your first book was just like I don't care about any of that really I'm not too stressed about it um obviously you go oh well, I never have one of those really beautiful author photos <laughs> but you know that's just so so what who cares I don't care um and so I think that's kind of that's interesting other people talking I've got various other writer friends who kind of are who have been older mm. um and I guess you just less well things like reviews obviously I understand as a as a proper grown-up I understand that not everything is for everybody I also mm-hmm. understand that reviews are quite often more about the person doing the review mm-hmm. than about the book. Sometimes you read a review and you don't think, this is totally, they haven't understood what mm-hmm. I'm getting at at all, have they? But that's, that's, once the book's out there, what people get from it is up to them, really. Um, and it's funny, then you go, okay, so whatever. So if you think that's one star because you had a terrible life, then that's fine. I, I doesn't bother yeah. me. I mean, I don't. I don't read. I don't read my one star reviews because I don't. I'm again. I'm old enough to know that that would yeah. hurt my brain. So mm. um, I don't bother. So I read my five star reviews because ooh, lovely. <laughs> yes. uh, but I don't read anything um, negative unless you know by accident I might see a line and go. But then of course because I know what I'm like, which is the sort of person who will focus on that. Mm-hmm. So it's best to just go. Those are not for me. Like Goodreads in particular, Goodreads is not for writers. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> um, and certainly, when I do my own uh, Goodreads review, which I don't do under my writer's name, I do under my own name. Um, Smart. I like to. I like to be very honest about my experience with the book, um, and that's partly for me because it's a record for me of my reading. But also, in case somebody else has picked up the book and they might be like me, so they might have a similar experience with it. But it would, it, it would, I can't, um, I can't write it thinking, oh my god, what if the writer sees this? Yeah, mm-hmm. aimed it at them. I'm not, you know, I would never tag someone in a negative review. Yes, because um, you know, that's it's my business. What I, what I've got for my book, and not their business really. So if I if I if I really enjoy something, then I'll t- I'll tell someone because it's nice to hear that someone's enjoyed it. But no one needs to know that someone didn't. Enjoy it. Yeah, it's interesting. I never really um, thought about it that way. I guess because I still felt all of the imposter syndrome and you know things like that that sort of came along with being a debut. But I actually like looking back on it now. Like I can't imagine going through that like in my twenties when I still, you know, was yeah. my brain wasn't fully developed <laughs> and, you know, well, like it can be really, you know, it stop you. I mean, it does stop. Yeah. People, doesn't it? People get frozen by the fear of, but you go, you can't, there is nothing in the world that everyone likes, you know, even the, whatever you go, oh, well, everyone likes a sunny day. Well, not those people who are obsessed with Halloween. They don't like a sunny day, do they? <laughs> yeah. You know, pumpkin sky people, they, they, they like, winter so that's and that's fine because it would be very boring if we all like the same thing um but yeah I think uh it it would feel much more it's like I, I'm glad that um I'm glad the internet didn't exist when I was young <laughs> 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 uh, really, 
although I sometimes think it would be nice to have more photographs. You go, yeah, would it though? Um, and would it be good to have memories of all of that stuff, those mad, stupid, ridiculous things we did? Um, so, yes, I think it's kind of, um, yeah, although at the time, if you'd said to me when I was 25, well, you might have to wait another 25 years, how do you feel about that? Then I would have mm. been, that would have been quite, uh, I don't know. But then at the same time, when you're 25, you can't imagine being 50. So, mm. yeah. You know. What would you say, what would you say to um, those people right now, like in their 20s, what would you say to them if they're just publishing a book or just getting into publishing or? Um, I don't know. I suppose the thing thing is that um, like everything that you kind of, uh, if you have anything that you've really dreamed about come true, it's very difficult not to immediately like move your brain onto the next thing it's like people mm. said this to me oh of course the trouble with your you know getting your book published which is a thing that you've been thinking about since you were eight or whatever mm. is that then immediately what if you what if they don't want your second book mm. what if you're a one a one hit wonder what if what if what if and that's the trouble isn't it because then again you then you publish your second book and then immediately you're you're straight on to thinking but what about difficult third album kind of mm-hmm. thing so I suppose I suppose um because I love writing I like editing as well um, particularly other people things I like to edit but I like to edit my own things so when people talk sometimes about the process and how oh yeah people think they want to write a book until they're writing it and it's awful isn't it horrible or it's hateful god I hate it and people often talk about their edits and how they don't enjoy their edits and all that I love all of them. I mm. write. That's a, that is a other people watch TV, but I write to entertain myself. And although obviously it's great if somebody wants to give you some money and make a book, and it can be in the bookshops and American people can buy it, that's all amazing. But I would have written it anyway. Mm. Um, and so I suppose the thing is that if you are the sort of writer that can get pleasure from writing, you should embrace that because that will always be there for you um you know really i think um and if you're the sort of writer that doesn't enjoy writing i don't know what to say don't do it well (laughs) it's kind of of weird isn't it because i know people say don't know there's a thing who i can't remember who it was as a famous person who said oh i enjoy having written Uh, and I, I, I sort of get that. I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's perverse. I, ha- I read my own book. I've read Bookshop of Second Chances several times in paperback. Yeah. Again, um, I wrote a book that I wanted to read. Yeah. Which is an important thing. Um, is it Tony Morrison? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and I've always, ever since I first read that quote, I was like, oh, she's really got something there. Because although I couldn't write anything as clever as Tony Morrison, I could definitely write the sort of book that I like to read. And so, therefore, I'm going to read it, you know, even if that is weird to read your own book. But because you've always, it's so long ago uh, that when I read it, I'm like, oh, yes, I've forgotten this bit. Yeah. Or I'm enjoying this part. Or I remember how much fun that bit was to write. So, um so and obviously, again, you need to enjoy it to, to write the book you want to read because you will have to read it a thousand million times while you're yes. working on it. Yeah. Um, but again, I quite I quite enjoy that. <clears throat> that whole thing where somebody else has put in some punctuation and you're like, do I 
do I think that I'm not sure that, that I think I don't agree without that comma I mean I love that I love it being edited because I've done so much editing myself that the first time I got back my edits I was like oh is this going to be horrible and I, but now it's just brilliant I loved it because nobody will ever look at your book with such attention to detail as your editor they're really paying attention and that is quite nice I think. sorry That's I so true. Rather start me off and I will talk Oh no, it was amazing. So, was so amazing. yes, I suppose really for, for a young person, you just go, yeah, you have to try and enjoy all the bits of it because it is supposed to be, um, well, I say, because there's no money in it really, they say mm. it's better than having a, a, an ordinary job, um, which I don't know. That depends on where you are in your life and how, uh, you know, how precarious your situation is. But certainly, um, it is better than having Yes. I enjoy my I enjoy my working life a lot more now that I don't have to go to an office five days a week and go to meetings about things. Like <laughs> um, sure. And I did that. I did that for a long time. Um, you know, and, and some of it was quite fun because of the books I worked on. You know, it's working on the restaurant guide is always interesting. I've had, I I don't. You know, the, the editor of the book doesn't do the eating, but I have done some eating and it's it was an absolute privilege. But um, but it's nice to sit on my chair and make up stuff about people. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're and lucky. I think that's yeah, it's so important to not not lose the joy of it, you yeah. know, and um, because if you are going into publishing and you don't really love writing, Going into publishing is not going to make you love writing. <laughs> well, so. this is it, isn't it? I think uh, I think sometimes you know, uh, nonfiction is kind of. I suppose that's different uh, because quite often when people are writing nonfiction, they've got they've got a point that they want to share. They want you to know about this thing that they're writing about. Mm. Um, but when you write fiction, and when you write fiction that's not literary fiction, I guess um, you're kind of uh, you go. Well, I was saying, what do I do? I invent some people and put them in a room. Um, so it's you know it's not it's not uh you know it's not life saving saving it's not heart surgery or you know anything but as a reader i know that books are important and yes. it's important to have um like you say, you say co- a cozy feeling sometimes you need a cozy feeling don't you mm-hmm. um i talked to my mum about this my mum is an avid reader and as she's got older you know she doesn't want to read books but she says if the baby might die she doesn't want to read that <laughs> that's fair you know if she's 77 she's not interested in in that or if the dog might die she doesn't want to read that either. oh yeah no she, i'm out mm-hmm. we don't want that she read she said to me she's reading a book that's kind of dual timeline at the moment and if she'd realized the, the um some of it set in the, during the siege of leningrad i was like oh is that not full of dead dead dogs and stuff she's like yeah i wouldn't have picked it up if i'd realized she said it was really really good it's really good but oh my god (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you just need a book where you know that everybody is going to be alive at the end that's okay Um, you know i i think that's um that's fair i i read all kinds of stuff um but i don't if anything says on the back you know i cried all the way through or i wept like it's heartbreaking i tend to avoid that yeah, Just because I'm always afraid, like, again, the older you get, the more likely I feel that uh, there's enough in your own life. that You might start, mm-hmm. start crying and never stop. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. I don't necessarily want that from fiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, having said that, of course, I will happily read something that sneaks up 
the crying and end up with crying for half of it but not if it's not if it's that's a selling point and not kind of really in the market yeah i like i like what you said too about just kind of understanding the significance of publishing a book in that it is an incredible thing however it is not everything and i think the older we get the more perspective we have on that and just kind of understanding like appreciating it but also it's not your worth it's not your life and life outside of it is massively more important than anything that comes from from publishing any any reviews or any accolades or any anything bad like any anything that might feel sad to you like it life outside of that is so much greater but also i think you know it's a it's a very it's a tiny world yes you know it's like the people that care about it yeah they really care about it but most people they, they're not yeah they're not they're not bought. so if you talk about the kind of like book twitter or the latest thing that everyone's talking about the latest scandal or whatever yes. then everyone's just like what <laughs> Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no one cares about this, do they? It's even more. Um, you know, I I know people who are musicians who have kind of very kind of. Uh, you know, they're in, they're very sort of they're they're big in their little space. Um, yeah, yeah. That's kind of, you know, that's that's fine. Um, whatever you do, you could be big in your little space, but people who aren't in that space are just like, oh, that's nice. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, so you kind of try and yeah try and um, be sort of sensible about it and not get too involved in any of the weird head stuff that might go on yeah and I think as well because I've worked in publishing although um, non-fiction travel publishing is very different from fiction publishing I understand about stuff like I understand that covers are not up to you there have been meetings about the covers loads of people have already put their input so when you get to see your cover uh you have to be careful not to like you know they the people at your publishers know what they're doing Mm -hmm. um and it's not up to you to to do and to do very much more than go oh perhaps i don't know i'm not sure about that orange or maybe if the chair was different rather than just go oh my god uh tear it up and start again (laughs) (laughs) Because there's a whole publishing department, uh, like a PR and marketing, and they sell books all the time. That's their job. If they didn't think they could sell your book. They wouldn't have bought your book. So let them do their thing. And I've been to loads of cover meetings where my like my design team have come up with 10 options or whatever, and we get them down to three options. And then you show someone more senior, and they go, oh, no, and you have to start all over again. <laughs> I don't want to be the person that's caused that to happen. Um, so I kind of I understand how the, some of the processes work, and that it's quite slow. Um, and kind of you know I think people are always surprised at how slow things are. But you go, but it's if if you want if you need ten people to read a hundred thousand words, that's going to take a long time. You know? mm. you know, just, yeah, just you know very basic elements of having your the senior editor and then your editor and then the copy editor and then the proofreader and then the person who's checking or the Americanizing person or whoever. For everyone to do their job, this takes forever. So, very true. So interesting. Um, and this is a little bit off topic, but you said something earlier that I just was like so fascinated by 
where the opening of the of the book the american version is different from the uk version and i'm like so fascinated by that because my books are published in the uk but i don't know if it's because they were published in america first and then went to the uk like i mm. have no idea like what changes were made like i wasn't involved okay. in that process at all oh, okay, um, that's interesting because I, I yeah that was, like, so my, it's fascinating the european edition so there's um there's a french version of the beginning of everything and then uh the bookshop of second chance is the french german and italian version and I didn't get, have any involvement in any of that, which is interesting. They changed the title of uh, Beginning of Everything to the French one, which I was like, I mean, that's fine, whatever. But I was like, oh, it'd be interesting to get an email about that, maybe. But I think part of it is one of the things I really love about my US publishers is they are so absolutely on it, like really amazing. Um, but the, the, the the way they go through the Americanizing process is completely fascinating to me because you, know, you think it's all just like sidewalk and trunk. Um, and and there's a bit of that, obviously, but also they're careful not to make it sound American because, of course, it's not American, mm -hmm. so actually, they yeah. don't do sidewalk particularly. But other things, phrases that I might use that they're just like, what is this? And you go, oh, <laughs> uh, oh okay, so that's the thing that we say, and it comes from this. Is there an equivalent? If there isn't, does it matter? Will the audience go with it? And they do generally because obviously they're the whole thing feels British. So most people are like, okay, I'm going to go with this, and maybe I'll look up what what that is. But um, but I, I imagine there's less of that going back the other way because we're all we are massively brought up with American culture. I mean, as a child, I read Judy Bloom and spent a lot of time going, what is the A, P and P? And uh, various things that you go. It's only as an adult, like post-internet, that I found out what lots of things in Judy Bloom actually were. Oh. I mean, my 10-year-old my brain, I'm like, I kind of guess what that is, but we don't have whatever. Um, but So we're much more used to it from films and stuff. You go, oh, okay, that's, that's the thing. Where hmm. it's when it goes back in the other direction, I think it's a bit more mysterious. Oh, interesting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, Ooh. I really, I absolutely love the process. It's so fascinating. And I get a whole it's... list of things, like brand names, and, you know, a whole discussion about whether or not we should change cafetiere to French press. <laughs> and that kind of thing. I was like, wow, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, amazing. That's so interesting. Okay, now I kind of like want to go through and actually like read my UK versions and see, you know, like what they actually changed. Interesting. From yeah. what I know, they didn't change anything in mine. Just the cover oh, yeah. is a little different. So all they do is they go, oh, you, you they change the quote marks. So we have one mm. quote mark and you have two. <gasps> that That's end right. dashes and end dashes and all of that stuff, you know, punctuation. Punctuation. Um, but uh, but yeah, probably the other stuff they probably don't change. Hmm. So it's just really, it's a really interesting process. I think. Yeah, that's fascinating. So fascinating. Okay. Um, well, we want to at least get one of our fun topics in because we don't want to take up your entire day. Also, we know it's a little bit later over there for you. Um, <clears throat> but I think one thing that you're never too old for is video games. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have discovered this as I, my nine-year-old is like 
getting into video games pretty heavily and I'm like oh I forgot how fun these are yeah <laughs> but it's fun and to I go back as, as well if you kind of you know um so when I was when I was young obviously video games were basic obviously um so we had we had we had computers at home my brother had a spectrum which is like a you know a big thing in the UK and then later in my 20s I had boyfriends who had like a Game Boy or whatever and we got a PlayStation PlayStation 1 and we used to play games together and that thing that you have every time there's a new console that comes out you just go nothing has ever looked more incredible yeah (laughs) oh my god and then that's right you know five years later you're like why did I think this looked amazing this looks amazing i remember my uh, some some uh, some lads i knew at university had a mega drive and they used to say that echo the dolphin thing which i never played but it looked beautiful um uh, but then if you saw it now it's probably uh, it's very you know but but now i I got i bought a switch um so they could play animal crossing Mm -hmm. the other year uh which is a cozy 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 thing today Um, yes and i don't like anything too I don't really like fighting games. I'm quite slow and rubbish. <laughs> and I can't do driving. So we play, used to play Grand Theft Auto, but I can't. Am I driven into the wall again? Oh, I've driven into the wall again. <laughs> That's how um, I am too. <laughs> just because I panic. I really panic. Mm-hmm. So um, I like uh, Lara Croft. And, um, and at the moment, as we were saying earlier, I'm playing um, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, no, not Breath of the Wild. Tears of the Kingdom, the new one, which... Um, yeah, it's horrible because the switch will tell you how many hours you've been playing it. <laughs> I don't oh that. god, I've done a hundred hours. Oh my god, I could have been doing housework. No, no. probably wouldn't do no. housework. <laughs> but yeah, I just I really enjoy I enjoy it. I think um, because it, everything looks so beautiful. I like the sort of game where you kind of wander about and pick things. Yeah. So uh, Skyrim, I was completely obsessed with Skyrim. Um, I like the sort of thing where you might get a bow and arrow so that you don't have to fight things up close. You can stand <laughs> somewhere and shoot things. That's quite yeah. good. Creeping about is quite good. Um, Creeping. You know, I like uh, that kind of that kind of stuff. So I've been playing I've been playing um yeah, I played The Witcher on the Switch. It's quite oh. good. But it's a bit the fighting in that is quite hard. So I always think what I need is a teenager in the house who I can go, would you just do this bit for me? So sometimes the Lego games are quite surprisingly hard. I Lego um, Lord of the Rings, and there's you know there's a bit you go. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. I need a I need a teenager to do it for. Me, so. <laughs> but yes, I think um, I'm a, you know I'm very kind of I'm not a serious gamer, but I do I, I enjoy I enjoy it. At least it's very different from writing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So going to spend ages collecting things and shooting monsters is quite fun. <laughs> And it, it's very soothing for your brain. I also have a Switch. Um, Animal Crossing is my favorite. I, lo- I I did. I played that every day for like yeah. a year. Yeah, me obsessively, too. Me really too. obsessively. Um, and now I'm worried. You know, I know my island is full of cockroaches because I'm me too. <laughs> cockroaches and weeds. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh god. Yeah. I was. I was like, I could live. Here. Can I live here? I'd like to live here. No, but when they released the downloadable content and you could make all the other houses, it's basically it's dolls' houses, isn't it? I used to really love playing with my dolls' house, and it was exactly like having a dolls' house because you can pick all the furniture and change change what colour the walls are and all of that. Yeah, very soothing indeed. Yes, <laughs> so good. 
Um, so I'm taking mm. notes on all the games that you mentioned because I'm always looking for new Switch games. I think there are other games like Animal Crossing, aren't there? There's like I've never played that um, farming one. Is it something? Something Valley? I can't remember. And somebody else is talking about something a new one coming out, and I was like, oh, I might need to pay attention because generally I don't pay attention, and I see like five people talking about a game, and then I go, oh. And I have friends who play Animal Crossing, and that thing you can do where you go to someone else's island. Yes. You can go to your friend's islands. Do it again during lockdown. That was just, like, you know, again, I'm never going to see a human ever again in my life. So I'm <laughs> going to go to their island. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And admire, and admire all their flowers and such like, yeah. And they can give you new fruit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to plant. I love, yep. I love animal crossing. All of that stuff. It was just, yeah, it was good. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, we are getting a little short on time. So I think we're going to just kind of skip to the end here, which means we will have to have you come back at some point in the future so we can discuss further. Uh, But can you tell us a little bit before you go about what you are working on right now and what's coming up next for you? Um, So I'm always writing at least two things generally. So um, kind of, yeah, going through the process at the moment with my agent and such like about what will what we might do next so it's kind of it's a bit up in the air um but rest assured there will be yes uh, mature uh characters having you know painful life midlife experiences and <laughs> possibly kissing who knows Yay. <laughs> well we love that and um i will read whatever you write next just so you know no pressure just make sure that <laughs> We have something coming, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we love it. And can you let our listeners know where they can find you online to keep up with all your latest um, info? Okay, so generally, um, so I have a Facebook author page where it's Jackie Fraser Writer, I think it's called. But if you put in Jackie Fraser, I'd like a lovely picture, black and white picture of me will come up. Um, and that's good. I have quite a lot of, a lot of American uh, women that I talk to on there. Um, and then on the uh, micro-blogging platform previously known as Twitter, I am at Munin herself. So that's M-U-N-I-N-N herself. Or Jack Fraser. My friends call me Jack. So, um, And I'm called the same on Instagram and on Blue Sky and on Threads. So fancy! Things now. Yeah, and on Mastodon as well. But Mastodon is hard to find people. So I'm on a really old server on Mastodon, so but I've still called the same thing. So yeah. Um Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been um a fascinating conversation and I am now going to spend the rest of the day reading the UK version of my book. Uh which is something I probably should have done a long time ago, but you know, <laughs> here we go. Um so thank you so much for coming to chat with us. We really appreciate it. Thank oh, I've you. had a lovely time. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's been lovely. Yay. Of course. And listeners, thank you for listening and we'll chat with you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at 
court underscore K, K-A-E, on all social media platforms. And you can find me, Fallon Ballard, at Fallon Ballard, everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes. And a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time.